Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Last week, we started this new series, Strength. And this week being part two, and we're talking about the strength of God and talking about uh, different ways that God brings that strength and how we're anchored. And last week we talked about really the establishing of God and the stability of God and how we guard our hearts and how we gain strength from that, even in times that is unstable. And how many knows we're living in unstable times? I really believe the world's always been unstable unless you've been a child of God rooted in Christ. So today we're going to look at some things a little bit differently than last week. We're going to look at different things that could cause maybe trouble in our life or cause our heart to be weakened. And there's different things that we deal with that weakens us and that when we are alerted to them and when they come our way, then we know how to deal with them. How many know sometimes you've got to know the source? Amen. You got to know how to pray. When people ask me to pray about something, I like to know the specifics of it. In fact, there's times that it's just meant for someone else to pray out loud, and I'll agree with them. And the whole time they pray, and I'm listening, taking in that prayer because it's from the throne room of God, and they're praying, and I'm agreeing. And I believe we need to be very specific in our prayers and know what we're praying and direct those prayers and know uh, the source in which we are maybe even praying against or the type of spirit we're praying against. How many knows there's different ways the enemy attacks us, so many different little imps and demonic forces and things that we pray. But also, these are things that attack us. But today, I'm going to show us some things that can make us weak. Before we get there, let's go to John 12 and 25. It says this, anyone who loves his life loses it. Now, this is a forceful scripture, very forceful. Anyone who loves his life, uh, life loses it. But anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal. Whoever has no love, no concern, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life forever and ever. Now, there's a great paradox when it comes to the person with a strengthened heart. A great paradox. And here we see that the Bible lets us know that death actually leads to life. And we ended last week's message talking about the seed. And that when the seed hits the ground and it dies, there's life within the seed. And Jesus even been the type and the shadow of that seed. The Bible lets us know that he died. He was buried, right, in a tomb. But then life came, resurrection. And anytime there is a death, that gives an opportunity for God to bring a resurrection. There's been things in my life that I've seen it's just like that, that seemed like they had died and it was just dead. And I said, you know, it's just a perfect opportunity for God to resurrect a theme. And when there's things in our lives that feels like that it's just gone, that it's over, that's what the devil wants you to think. But that's when God wants to bloom something new in your life, maybe a new dream. Maybe a, a new way of doing ministry. Maybe something new for your family. Whatever it is, God has a way to bring life. But death leads to life. And when we die to self, then we find a new life in Christ. I mean, it's all through Scripture. Even before we find new life in Christ, we have to die and let the old man pass away. And then we get a hold of the new, client, and the new life in Christ. And this also means that we need to die out to anything that's contrary to God's Word. Now, that's not popular in today's preaching. 
But there's some lifestyles and living that's just contrary to God's word. And we can't live that lifestyle and expect to have a blessed life. But God, this is the awesome thing. This is the good news. Is that God empowers us and he gives us grace to live that life. He does. He gives us that grace and that empowerment that we can walk that life out. And Jesus promises us also, he talks a lot about seeds and fruit, that we would bear much fruit if we choose to deny ourselves and forsake this life in the world, right? But Jesus used this forceful words by saying, whoever has no love for, no concern of this life on earth, but despises it will save his life. Jesus is what he's doing is looking to strengthen us so that we'll allow the will of God or the perfect will of God to work through our lives by living through His grace and mercy and and denying the things of the world and dropping the things that can contaminate our spiritual life. See, seeds of dreams in our lives will eventually bloom. But sometimes that seed must go through a death process. You get a seed and a dream, and sometimes you got to lay that seed down on the altar and let it die. And next thing you know, it begins to bloom for you because God is more important than the dream. The dream is something that's coming from the giver of life. But what's the most important is the giver, is the God that gives it, right? And he gives the dreams, and he gives the ability, and he gives the talents, and he gives us all of these wonderful things in our life so it will produce a harvest. And it's also true when it talks about about the peace and love of God in the earth. You know, a lot of people, they pay money for peace and love. They seek out people. People come and find a pastor just to talk. They don't want to pray, don't want anything to do with Jesus. They just want to talk to find peace in their life. People pay a lot of money for peace. People take lavish vacations, buy expensive things for peace. But we always, it seems like in this world, people are always striving for such peace. And the last person they go to is the peace giver and the peace speaker of our life. And that's Christ. Isaiah 30 and 15 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved. Now listen to this. He said, In quietness. And in trusting confidence shall be your strength. Now we're talking about the strength of God. The word quietness in the Hebrew means to repose. So to repose means to calm, relax, to be free from all anxiety. So to be free from all anxiety, to be calm and to be relaxed. If you know me well, I'm not, it's hard for me to get relaxed. It takes three days of vacation for me to relax. I don't sit still. I like to go. It's just who I am, right? So but, but it takes a little bit. But as far as my peace of mind, I'm great. As far, as far as the calmness of mind, because I rest in Christ. It's more than just a physical rest, but it's a mental, emotional, and spiritual rest. When we place our life in Him, then we will have confidence and we're going to have the strength of God. But we must find that quietness, that trusting confidence of saying, you know, God has this. I know what it looks like, but God has this in my life. And when you have an established heart, when you have a strong heart, then you're living in a state of being calm, especially when the word, when the waters are turbulent. Think about the disciples. They was in the boat. They're all disturbed that the storm's coming. I mean, the boat's filling. Jesus is walking in that peace. He's walking with that strengthened heart. He's walking in that and living in it. So when the storms are turbulent, waters are coming in, he's calm. He said, have I been with you so long, right? That you doubt me now? We've seen so Now you doubt me? 
And sometimes what God says to us, haven't I gotten you through this storm before? Just trust in me. Find me in my uh, quietness. Find me in my calmness and trust and you'll find strength in your heart in that place. And, and living out God's life in the earth, it has blessing in it as well. It says in Isaiah 32 and 17, said, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, eternal and external. See, God wants your life to be peace within and out. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. Isaiah says, when we live out the righteousness of God, when we seek first his kingdom and his right living, then we don't have to worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself because it's not in humanity's hands tomorrow. Tomorrow is in the master's hands, is in the creator's hands. The one that is the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the him, the one that we should trust for everlasting. And he desires for us to live in this peace internally and externally that we should have peace in our life that only comes through Christ. So do you want to know why the enemy fights so hard from keeping us from living God's way? Well, you know why? Because he knows that if we don't live God's way or pursue the righteousness or the right way of God, then we're going to live a life that is disturbed. We're going to live a life without peace. We're going to live a life where we're more worried and have anxiety and we're not calm. So the enemy wants to keep us from living the way of Christ. But I'm here to tell you, living his life is a blessed life. Going God's way is the blessed way. Everybody thinks it's fun in the world, but all that sin, all that fun, all that love, it only lasts for a little bit, and then it begins to disturb your life. But true peace, true freedom from anxiety and worry only comes through the way of the cross and living through Christ. So today I want to give you five causes of a troubled heart. Because this world has a lot of trouble. The Bible even tells us, be good cheer though, I've overcome the world. There's trouble in it, there's trial, there's tribulations, there's pains, there's disappointments, there's frustration, there's mental anguish, there's all kinds of things in this world. But last week we talked about elevating facts over truth. And the Bible says that if we believe God, we will become established. And to believe means to accept truth, to be true, even without anything demonstrating the evidence of that truth. That means just taking God at his word and knowing that he has. And our lives, I, I told you last week, our lives are governed by facts and truth. Facts are what you see. They are what you hear and touch. But truth is what you cannot see. It's the unseen. See, the enemy wants you to be looking at the seen and skip over the unseen. He, doesn't, he wants you to be so distracted that you don't see what's not work, what, what's working, but you can't see it. He don't want you to see what's working, but it doesn't meet the eye. You can't touch it or smell it, and you, you're not able to see it. But he wanting you to be distracted to see everything around you in the circumstances. So you don't elevate your facts over the truth, but you should elevate the truth over facts. Truth is, is that God's your healer. He's your deliverer. We went over that. And we know the enemy releases facts uh, against you that cause you to be depressed and discouraged and, and to give you bad news and, and cause you to feel let down. But the enemy wants you to believe more of what you see than the unseen. Facts are you may be sick, but the truth is you're healed. Truth is, is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is Jesus can send his word to heal you. He don't even have to lay hands on you. He can just send his word and speak it and you're healed. 
I've seen people healed just through the preach word. They didn't give an altar call. They was healed right in the middle of the preaching. Why? Because his word was going forth. He sent his word and healed them. Right now, through God's word, healing can be taking place. I believe that with all of my heart because he can send his word. But the Bible says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, why does people trust? Why would the Bible say people trust in chariots and horses? Because they can see them and touch them. Fact is, you can see and touch chariots and horses. We have a lot of chariots and horses in life that we trust. It, it, it comes in a form of something green called money. We don't see much of it no more because now we've got debit cards, right? Don't even know how people, I mean, this generation don't write checks. They just don't. So, but they, they, someday they can put their money or their hands on their money or a home or a doctor or a prescription. They trust those things, but people trust in the things they can touch and see. But then he says, some trust in chariots and horses, but this is what the Bible says, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. See, the truth is, is that when we remember his name, we see him, him as the source. And the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Today, you may see horses and chariots and you don't place your trust in those things, but you remember the name of the Lord. And when you remember his name and speak his name, even the devils tremble. When you speak his name, you're delivered. When you speak his name, peace comes in a mind of anxiety. When you speak his name, worry is cast out and satisfaction of God's grace and peace is instilled in your life. So when you have a revelation of the truth, then the facts do not agitate you. But you got to get a revelation of the truth so you're not agitated by the facts, right? So here, here we go. We're looking at this today, and that first one I skipped over by accident, that was a mental and emotional agitation. A lot of times what we do is that we have the mental and emotional agitation because of what's going on, because we're elevating the facts over top of the truth. So something comes our way that's the horse and the chariot type, and it begins to agitate us. And next thing you know, we're looking at it as our source and not to God. But we've got to remember the name of the Lord no matter what season we're in. And the second thing is this, is that a troubled heart is emotional disturbance. Many times we face emotional disturbance. And what is that? It's when people serve God without a strong and healthy foundation. See, there's people, they come to church. And, and some people, they come to church every now and then. And, and, and it's just what it is, but they serve God out of an unhealthy foundation. And lately, we've been talking a lot about anchors in God. We've been talking about a lot of things that bring firm foundation, and we're in our life group season. And I really believe one of the things that brings strength in this type of season that we're in and in different seasons is the fact that we anchor ourselves in the going church, praying, worshiping, doing a personal Bible study, getting part of a group of people, whether it's in a Sunday school class or a life group, so that we can draw strength from them. So those are healthy things. But emotional disturbance is when people serve God 
without a strong and healthy foundation. Everything in life, anything good that comes that's firm has to have a foundation of strength, right? A marriage, if it's going to last, it must have a strong foundation. A ministry, if it's going to last, must have a strong foundation. A business, same thing. Relationships, same thing. If your foundation is strong, then everything else is strong. But if the foundation is built up on something weak, then everything's weak. You'll never thrive. You may have moments that look like you're going to thrive, but next thing you know, because of the weak foundation, you're not thriving any longer. God wants you in a place where you're always thriving, even through the storm. You can thrive and be blessed through the storms of your life. Just because there's a storm don't mean it's not a blessed time in your life. If you begin to put all the good things happening for you, and you have that firm foundation, and then you begin to look at the one or two things trying to distract you, you can outweigh every time the good things that God's doing in your life. But emotional disturbance shows when we struggle with believing what God says. See, some people, they believe what God says only on the mountaintop. But when it comes to valley, they forget everything that God has said. God doesn't want you living in that life. He wants you to remember his name. Remember the two houses in scripture that Jesus spoke about based on our foundation. One was built on a rock, the other on sand. The storms came. The one that was built upon the solid foundation, it stood. But the one built upon sand, we know it was tanked, it was taken out. Your heart will be emotionally disturbed when your foundation is weak. And speaking about foundation, what does it look like? I mean, people want to know how practical is it spiritually. There's three blocks of a healthy foundation. You have commitment, you have sacrifice, and you have loyalty to God. These three blocks of your heart bring a great foundation in your life. And the first one being commitment. Everything is in life is built upon a healthy commitment from relationship with God to business to marriage. And some people have commitments to the wrong things. It's easy for them to be committed to things that, uh, that are not spiritual or do not build their spiritual foundation. They can be committed to that, but when it comes to the things of God, there's a struggle for them to get committed there because in the beginning, there's always a battle for you to become committed to God. When you're committed to God, it puts a demand upon you. What does that demand look like? That means that there's going to be times you pray when you don't feel like praying. There's going to be times, because it's not, we don't walk by our feelings, by our sight, by the horses and chariots, what we touch. We don't walk by just the facts. We walk according to the truth, and that's by faith. That means we're walking, though we have not seen God, we still know that He is God, and He does exist, and He's in on the throne room, and He is in charge of everything. It don't matter how I feel, I'm going to worship, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do what's right, and, and though it may seem unpopular, I'm still going to do it because I'm committed. And then the second one is sacrifice. Sacrifice is the ability and willingness to go beyond your place of comfort. See, when you are going through the battle, that you're, there's going to come a time where sacrifice is going to have to come, and that is going to be on your comfort level. My greatest breakthroughs has been when my comfort level was pushed the most. Sacrifice it comes to every area of your life. In other words, you don't serve God just out of convenience, but there's times that serving God does become a living sacrifice. The Bible tells us to offer that to God, which is only holy and reasonable to be a living sacrifice before Him. You may have to give up some things. I remember I was serving God, and it was just 
three days, man, I had been serving the Lord, and the Lord told me, he said, now, don't you dare listen to that kind of music. Now, that was for me, but you got to understand, I had some bad music in my car. Every other word was a foul word. I like that rap music. I hear it walking in. I may do a little jig. Can't do that jig now. Uh-uh. I can't dance to that. <laughs> right? I, I say that because it's for me because music is powerful. I don't, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think Christmas music's great, all that. I think there's music that's not disturbing and, and will not hurt you. But, man, if, if you're listening to music and it's about sex and drugs and all those things, there's no way you can live a good lifestyle listening to that kind of music. Because you're allowing it in. It gets a hold of your spirit. And I can remember throwing all that away. Then I can remember a few months later that the Lord began to deal with me about some other things. But it was for me. It became sacrifice. Some things I really loved. But man, there was things I would never achieve in the anointed of God, in the holiness of God, in the grace of God, unless I would have laid those things down. And when I laid them down, the things I picked up are so much better than the things I ever thought that was dear to my heart that I needed to lay down. That is the life of sacrifice. It's not out of convenience. I don't serve God out of convenience. I serve him out of the next one, a loyalty to him. What's loyalty? It's something we lack today, first of all. People don't have loyalty to nothing, but loyal to God's commands and his commandments. God, you said it. I'm going to uphold it. God, it means something to me. It means everything to you. And if if it's your word and your commands, then God, you know, I'm going to live that. And it's not that I have to, I get to. It's one of those things for me. A lot of people look at it as God's no list. I look at it as God's get-to list because through that list is so many blessings. Some people look at church and they, all they see is rules and regulations. And what I see is just a lifestyle of blessing, a lifestyle that blesses my family, that blesses me, but it comes from a loyalty to God and being led by the Spirit. That's what loyalty is. You hire somebody, you expect them to go by your guidelines. You, you, you hire somebody at your job site, you expect them to be led by their leadership and, and, and the following suit. And you expect them to honor and respect everybody there. Well, think about it. If that's at your job, how much greater is God's and how much more loyalty should we have there to be loyal to his command and his commandments, being led by his spirit, by his rule, and honoring him and respecting all his instructions, not taking it lightly, but being loyal in our hearts saying, this is the way of God and I love serving God out of this loyalty. And the third cause of a troubled heart is frustration. Frustration is a spirit. Even the Bible talks about it. In the day of Nehemiah, that a spirit of frustration came against them while they was trying to work. There's times that while you're trying to do right, a spirit of frustration comes. It's like it's released against you. When expectations are not met... That's when the spirit of frustration sits in. Frustration is the lack of manifestation of expectation. When you have an expectation and it does not manifest or it is delayed, then frustration sits in. See, if you respond out of frustration, there's things that you could really hurt and damage in life, especially relationships and the way people see you. See, some people, when frustration comes, they just don't take it as frustration, but then their response to the frustration is a whole different ball game. You know, people, they give up on marriage out of frustration. 
They, they, they hurt their family out of frustration. They lose relationships out of frustration. They give up on God-given dreams out of frustration. To understand frustration, you must know the difference between an emotion and a response. It's one thing to have an emotion. An emotion is an intense state of feeling that is created by an occurrence, right? That's what the uh, state of the feeling, then it has to take some type of occurrence, whether it's good or bad, to happen to bring about that feeling. But then the emotion of frustration is simply of resistance of the manifestation of what you was expecting or the fulfillment of what you desired to happen. So what does frustration, what does it look like? What does it do? It takes the advantage of a negative response. Frustration really is watching the way you respond to an unmet expectation. And when that's unmet, then frustration comes in trying to bring rage in your life. Trying to get you to tap. Trying to get you to throw in. We've all experienced frustration in our life. As long as it's just an emotional feeling, it can be overcome. We have to understand that. But if you allow this feeling to escalate beyond just an emotion because of a negative response and action, then it can begin to destroy things in your life. It, it, it takes away dreams and visions and Marriage and ministry and business and friendships. Man, I've seen some really good ministers. Just, you know, they, they just don't care now. Frustration. They just don't care. I've seen some really good businessmen just quit caring. I, I've seen some awesome marriages that I looked up to just no longer together because someone quit caring and, and the frustration set in. The fourth cause of a troubled heart is torment. Torment is when you're excessively concerned about self. It brings torment to your life. When you're always obsessed with self, how it affects you. You know, we, we, we call it being selfishness, right? And that person's really selfish, we'll say, or, or that's a selfish moment that they're having. See, this is a stage where you're dominated and consumed by the circumstances in your own life. You know, there's some people that they live in such torment and such self that they don't even recognize anything going on in anybody else's life because they're so consumed with their own. See, when you allow your life to be consumed and dominated by thoughts, by the problems or the situations, then what we do is that we surrender the peace of God in our lives that Jesus died to give us. See, Jesus died and gave us all this deliverance, all this peace, all this stability and strength and establishment but the moment you become consumed about self, which is opposite of what God says for us to do, he said we are to lose ourselves in order to gain ourselves. But in the world, if we work hard to just worry about ourselves and gain ourselves, then really in the end we're losing what God's called us to be. Jesus paid an awesome price to give us joy, peace, love, and hope. And only Jesus, uh, and only should Jesus and his aw awesomeness dominate our mindset and our thinking. But we gotta stop living in worry and fear. We gotta focus on the truth of God. We gotta focus no longer on the facts, but the truth. God is going to take care of us. That's gotta be our mind is that we get consumed because this has happened in my kid's life. This is consumed because this is the doctor's report, and it's all that we're living. You know, some people, they can only live from one drama to the next. Right? We even call men drama queens. Because they can only live from one drama, dramatic. Something dramatic or bad has to be happening in their life. They are dominated by self. You can tell them what's going on in your life, and you open up 
And then they'll tell you how, you know, they can trump you. Well, this is going on and that's going on. I go, oh, my heavens. I told that to the wrong person. I wanted some prayer. I didn't want to hear all that. But we have to understand that if we get so consumed in what's not right in our life, then we begin to forfeit a lot of the blessings of God because our mindsets are not on His blessings or even on Him, period. But our mindset is up on what's happening. See, God's going to take care of us. What do you mean? He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's beside you even now, living in you. That is a God that loves you. See, the overburdened heart is self-torment. And it's not God's will for you to live in a life of being overburdened. See, there's two ways to overcome torment of excessive concern about yourself. First one is that you've got to look at God as your source. You've got to quit looking at everything else that's going on and start just seeing God as the source. The second one is you must consistently believe that God's going to take care of you. I know that's very easily said, and it can be hard to live out, but God's giving you grace to live it. Now, all you've got to do is see Him as the source and then believe that He will take care of you. And then the last one today that gives us a troubled heart is confusion. See, confusion is when the enemy is always casting doubt in your mind. Confusion causes you to question the truth of God. A lot of people, they begin to question God's truth. They allow it to enter their heart. The book of James talks about this in James 1 and 8. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. What does it look like for someone to live in confusion? They think they're making a good decision, but once they make it, they question it. Then they try to get out of it by doing this, and then they question that. Was that even a good move? Everything they do, is that a good move? Is my life full? That is when the enemy places confusion in your heart and he's causing you to doubt who you are in God and the truth of God. No longer looking at his truth as sound. Your, your mind sets off of it and now you've lost who you are. So you live in a state of being unstable in every way. See, what's doubt? It starts with doubt. Confusion always starts with doubt. Doubt is defined as a lack of confidence. You can be a really confident person, but not be confident about what you're doing. Doubt disorganizes your focus. Doubt interferes with your decisions. See, uncertainty is common with many Christians because, because dealing with it is very complicated because there's different ways or kinds of doubt that enters your heart. There's different avenues that the enemy will cast doubt upon in your life. You may be fully confident in your relationships, but not fully confident in your relationship with God. You may be fully confident as a parent, but not confident as an employee. You may be fully confident in your marriage, but not confident everything outside of your marriage of how it's going in life. So he can cause doubt in certain places of your life and causing you to be uncertain. And it brings confusion and doubt has the ability to spill over into a variety of areas of your life. Once it sets in one area, then it begins to set here. Because this didn't work out, now I'm here, and that didn't work out. Then over here, some totally different topic than these is not working out. It begins to spill over to every area of your life, causing you to question. When doubt is not dealt with in your heart, a spirit of scatteredness and confusion is released in you. You're just scattered with it. You're, re- 
you're just like it's just all been released at one time. But once confusion is released in your heart, you become very troubled. You become very unstable in all your ways. These are ways that we've looked at now that brings a troubled heart that weakens the strength. They'll come to the music today. I want to close with though, it's not God's will for you to struggle with mental, emotional agitation or emotional disturbance or frustration or torment or confusion. Those are not the things. Here's a scripture I want to read to you, and I want you to really look at this and take this in today and be encouraged. It says, do not be carried about by different and varied and alien teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established and strengthened by the means of grace. He said, it's good for your heart to be established or strengthened by the means of grace, which is God's favor, spiritual blessing, and not to be devoted to foods, rules of diet, and ritual meals, which brings no spiritual benefit or profit to those who observe them. See, God, He freely gives you the ability and the access to receive and walk out the strength of God in your life. Yes, there's times that agitation comes. There's times that emotionally you're just battled and agitated. There's times that you have disturbance going on. There's times because unmet expectations, you're frustrated. There's times that you're torment. There's times that confusion set in. But God is saying, listen, when you are facing those times, then you just got to look to me as the source. Know that I'm going to take care of it, but also have a strengthened heart by the means of grace, not looking at everything else that's around you, the facts, but begin to look to the truth of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.